0: Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk We're good to go. Sorry, I'm just getting set up here. The tea towel is because I'm slightly anal about my iPad, it's never been out of the protective case, but it has to be to fit on this stand, so I'm freaking out a little bit that it's gonna get damaged. Um, Bear with me, God can heal me in this process too. Um, Hi. (laughs) Uh, This morning I'm gonna share some thoughts that I've had from 1 John chapter three it's a fierce long chapter so i hadn't intended reading the whole thing that can be your homework later perhaps um so i'm just going to hit some points and do more of a general overview hope that's okay with you guys um there is one verse john when you're ready there it goes the very first one i'm going to spend a lot of time on that or around that today so i've asked john to put it on the screen and just to leave it there Um, just so it reminds us all what it's all about. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us all. (laughs) He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. Wow. in this to see if I can read it any better. Glasses. Glasses on, glasses off. Um, so how I'd like to approach this this morning is to create a space, a space for us to wonder, to think about, to ponder, to consider the hugeness of God's love. Yes. Okay. I need to just start with some prayer. Lord, we need you this morning. We want to encounter you this morning. Give us hearts that are open to to ponder your love for us, to receive what it is you want to say to us. Come and touch us, Lord, because the last thing we want is another intellectual exercise. We're bombarded with those every day in the world. We need encounter. We want you today. So Lord, come. Come and speak to each one of us. Give us a fresh revelation of you so that when we leave, we're not the same as when we came in. Thanks, Father. I've been considering what it means to be a child in a family. And I think one of the most honouring things that we can do for the Lord is to appreciate our identity in Him and then to step into the fullness of what He's made available for us. So I want to start by taking a minute to wonder about what it means to be a child. Okay. Being a child means being loved unconditionally. It means belonging, being known, valued. It means being free to be who we are. It means being raised in an atmosphere of love and safety, where it's okay to make mistakes. It means being disciplined when we need it. It means sharing family traits. It means being championed and celebrated. It means being secure. It also means not having to worry about provision. That's not up to the child. It's the parent's responsibility. It means being equipped to soar. It means having intimacy with parents and with siblings means having access to resources means having identity and authority in that family being a child in a family means having a history, a lineage. And it also means having a destiny, having a role, having a function, being needed, being missed when you're not there. It means having a legacy and an inheritance when you're part of that family. So this is what what it looks like to be a child. Part of it, anyway. Sadly, I've realized from just watching the news that one of the greatest problems of our time is fatherlessness. Our society is plagued by mental illness, isolation, suicide, violent crime, drug abuse, gang crime. Every day, every day we're hearing reports. And it's tragic. And you know, there's uh, an ex-gang member was interviewed and he said that the people who are involved in this kind of lifestyle, 90% of them come from fatherless homes. 90%. The Ministry of Justice has a statistic as well. They say that 70%, 76% of their male prison inmates have no relationship with their dad or have no father figure in their life. I refuse to believe. That that's a coincidence. There's something very wrong here. Because God ordained that fathers, the role is pretty much threefold. It's to protect, it's to provide, and it's to instill identity. That's what dads do. So where do we look for Our identity, our significance, our affirmation. Whether we've had a great dad or whether our family took dysfunction to new levels, it it doesn't matter. We're not bound by that. We're not held by that because what we do and the people that surround us, those things can change. But we need to stay connected to our creator because our identity is in him. And our creator says, we are loved. Your creator says, you're beautiful. You're valued. You're known. I see you, you're known. And he says, you're his. We can't lose sight of that. Um, I have two beautiful girls. Yay! <laughs> they look quite similar. There's, there's no denying the family connection, but they're very different. They've got very different temperaments and giftings and personalities. It's great. Um, I could stand up here and just wax lyrical about my girls all day and I'd have a great time. For you, it wouldn't be so much fun and Orla would be out the door before I got through the first (laughs) sentence, I imagine. Um, So I won't do that. I could tell you in detail why being their ma'am is the greatest gift after salvation that God's ever given me. What a privilege. I don't take it for granted. And you know what? Sometimes, <laughs> this is where I go in my head, I imagine God doing this kind of thing. I see him in heaven, and he's passing out photos. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's your face in the photo, and it's mine. And he's telling anyone who listen how amazing you are. He's telling them, about your adorable smile, or the softness of your heart, or the sharpness of your mind. Or maybe he's telling them about your mischievousness. I don't know why I look at Nick for that one. Yeah I do, I do know why I look at Nick. Anyone who knows Nick Barnsley knows why I look at her for mischief. Um, He's telling them about your heart for justice, about your compassion, about your courage. And he does wax lyrical about you all day, all day. He never gets tired of it. I'm convinced that God loves us uniquely rather than equally This is a good thing. Okay, let me explain what I mean. I love each of my girls completely. They've got my whole heart. I don't have to split my love between them. Don't have to divide it. Um, I had Orla for nearly four years before Ellie arrived and I was completely in love with her and still am. And then Ellie came and I, don't have to, I, I didn't have to um, reduce my love for Orla to fit another child in. Thankfully, God made a way. He made it possible to increase my capacity to love because he wants, he wants us to give our complete hearts. He wants us all in. Here's why I reckon he doesn't love us equally. Because the word equal is a term of measurement, suggests measurement, right? It's the closest thing to a mathematical term you're ever going to hear from me. Um, but it suggests measurement. God's love can't be measured. It's immeasurable. It's infinite. He, doesn't, he, he couldn't love us in the same proportion. Um, My girls are wired differently. They respond to different approaches. So, um, I get to love them in very different ways. Yep. Um, Orla's love languages tend to be um, quality time and physical touch. That works for Orla's heart. What Ellie loves is to be showered with gifts presents, ice cream and she likes words of affirmation. So if I adopted a cookie cutter approach to loving my girls, it's not going to work. It's just not going to happen. And God, I believe, works in a similar way to that. He made us unique. He painstakingly created every individual uniquely. You're a one-off. You're exclusive. Never happened before, never will happen again. Just think for a second about your DNA. What about fingerprints? Even the pattern of the iris in your eye, I understand, is unique. All unique to you. God went to a lot of trouble to develop your individuality. So why would he love us the same? He meets us in different ways. Right, so as we've seen, John's letter begins with him stating that we're God's children. Wonder at his love. He created us. He made us his very own beloved children. Okay. I'm aware that in recent weeks and months, a lot of people have stood up here and they've talked about the importance of building relationships, of cultivating community and developing good relationships with each other. I make no apology, I'm gonna hit it again because it's a crucial part of God's plan. Love one another deeply. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Jesus wasn't just making suggestions when he addressed these issues. We're repeatedly commanded to love one another and take care of these relationships. It's not the, the fish sticker on our car. It's not the amount of Bible verses we've learned It's not even the number of hours that we spend on church projects that mark us as Christians. Jesus is very clear. He says it's the way you love each other that will demonstrate to the world that you are my followers. Now that means that this in here, the dynamics, the relationships, this is not an optional extra. It's not even just a job for the pastoral team or the extroverts or commanded. Take care of this because that's how the world is going to see who God is. So knowing that we've been grafted into the Lord's family as children, that's the foundation. That's the basis. Then we get to go on and share his love with others. We can only give away what we possess. Jesus challenged us. How can you say you love God, but hate your brother? If you have an issue with someone, he says, take care of it, sort it out. Because he is love, I am loved and he enables me to go and love others the way he does. Passion for Jesus will always result in compassion for others. It has to translate into that. Here's a phrase that's often spoken by Heidi Baker. Love looks like something. Love's not an abstract theory. It's not just a feeling. A lot of the time, it's a choice. It's also a verb. Love is an action. So let's wonder again. This time, let's wonder about what love looks like. Real love reaches out. It sees and it reaches out. Love costs. Love is resilient. It doesn't give up when things get difficult. Love is the greatest force on the planet. Do you know love is bigger than evil. It's greater than evil. And it's stronger than any disaster. And love wins. Love wins. So the almighty God, the one who is love, he came in the form of a father. That's what he said he wanted, he wanted to father us. He places a lot of significance on the role of parents, spiritual parents and natural moms and dads. There's much to learn from mothers and fathers about God. So are we learning? from the dads in the church? Are we willing to be taught and nurtured by the mothers here? Are we being a mom and dad to those around us? The Lord can talk to us audibly, right? And we know from our Bibles that he can even come and write a message on that wall if he wants to. He's done it before. But more often he chooses to reveal himself, to reveal his plans and his heart and his nature in the people around us. So when we opt in, when we opt for relationship, we're opening ourselves up to discover more of God. But, if we reject that, and if we choose self-reliance, and if we pull back, we're going to miss out. And others are going to miss out. The greatest threat to love, what is it? It's fear. Fear. Mm -hmm. But we know that perfect love casts out fear. Love requires vulnerability. It's risky. It's not always easy. If you've been alive for more than a few years, then you've almost certainly been hurt by people at some stage, been let down, been rejected, and that can be a stumbling block to trusting, maybe hard to trust God, maybe hard to trust others. During the past year, I've um, I've suffered some rejection. I've, um, yeah, more than I ever have suffered rejection. And my initial reaction to that, or response, was I wanted to pull back. I wanted to retreat and just withdraw from everyone and everything. It was too hard. It was too hard, and, and there was shame, and there was, oh, all this stuff. Um, But, you know, in my pain, I cried out to God. And I invited him to come show me how much I'm really loved. And God being God, he came. (laughs) He showed up. And he was a dad. He just came and loved me. And he spoke soothing words to a hurting heart. And he affirmed me and he reminded me how valuable I was to him. And he strengthened me. And sometimes he just sat with me or held me. But he never stopped pursuing me. And encouraging me and reminding me that all those promises from the past, they're still valid. <laughs> mm-hmm. My destiny is still intact. He reminded me there's still purpose for my life. So it was good. Those times were and are precious. And in those times when I learned what it felt to be truly loved, I also knew he wanted more for me. And he wasn't going to let me stay under the duvet that pulled over my head. He wanted more. And so I knew I had to get up. I had to come to church. And if I'm honest, it wasn't always easy, but I came. I came in my weakness, I came in my pain, and I just stood. And week after week I stood. And even in the midst of the brokenness, I began to open up to people. I began to let people in. And it was amazing. It was amazing because not only did I get to know some other people, when they got to know me, I got to know more of God because I let them into this journey with me and I saw more of God's nature. And look at me now, I'm perfect! <laughs> Except not. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm so not. And did you notice the people who laughed loudest were my friends? <laughs> That's telling, because they know what I'm like. They know I'm far from perfect. But my journey continues. He's working on me. <laughs> I've come a long way, but I'm still in process. Anyone else here still in process? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Every day, I get to make a choice. Do I give in to bitterness, or do I keep my heart soft and open? hmm I get to trust my heavenly dad and to recognize that it's his role to protect my heart. And he's way better at it than I am anyway. And that leaves me available to be open and tender towards Him and towards others. (laughs) So another thing that receiving the Father's love does is drives away fear of rejection, fear of man. Throughout my life, I've been sucked into the comparison trap loads of times. Never works out well. I wouldn't recommend it. Either I end up feeling smug and superior to someone, or more often I'll be paralyzed with feelings of inferiority. It's not good. God created us to have physical, emotional, and psychological makeup that is utterly unique. Never to be repeated. He gave us gifts that are just for us. To execute in a way that only we can. But when I forget those things... And when I look to someone else and covet what they have or what they do, then I'm setting myself up to be frustrated and miserable. The people around me miss out because I don't show up with what I'm actually supposed to bring. and not only is it a a waste of time and energy it's an offence, it's an offence to God because he called me to be a child his child, unique I need to be fully me and you need to be fully you Otherwise, someone's missing out. Let's wonder again about God's love. Are you learning something about me, by the way, that I'm a list person? <laughs> I hope you're okay hanging on this. God's love, God's love is ridiculous. <laughs> I'd go as far as to use a Dan Barnsley phrase and say re because it is. It, it's it's crazy. It's overwhelming. It's extravagant. It's eternal. It's incomparable. It's all-consuming. Love how God doesn't do things by halves. It's Unmerited. Completely unmerited. And you know what else it is? Always redemptive. His love is redemptive. It changes things. It fixes things. Fixes things better than they ever were in the first place. That's how redemptive his love is. Better than when they were new. the love of our King has stepped out of eternity. It's not a fleeting love. It's not dependent on our behavior or God's mood. It's constant, it's trustworthy. You know what really breaks my brain? Is that the love that God has for his son Jesus is the same love that he has for us I I find it really hard to wrap my head around that, but I trust it, he said it, so it must be true. That's just beyond phenomenal. So why did he lavish this love on us? Well, he wanted relationship. He wants intimacy with us. He wants children. His plan was to draw the world to himself by revealing himself initially to a very select few, and then their sacrificial love was supposed to show the world who God is, and draw them in. That's still the plan, guys, it hasn't changed. It's time to wonder some more about God's love for you. Just seen the clock and I need to speak a bit faster here. But God dreamed about you. He painstakingly created and formed you. He breathed life into you. He chose you. He poured himself out to rescue you. He spoke identity into you. He placed a unique destiny within you. He pursues you every day. He provides for you. He restores you to a place of honor right next to him. He invites you into the family business, seeing his kingdom invade earth. And he gives you heavenly perspective. This is some of what it means to be God's child. I'd quickly like to reference another really well-known passage of scripture, and it's Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. But in my Bible, it says, The Loving Father. That's the title, and I much prefer that. I think that's a more appropriate title for it, because this passage was always supposed to reflect the outrageous grace and love of a dad for his children. So, um, prodigal means doing something on an extravagant or a lavish scale. I think that's a perfect picture of how this dad treats his boys. So the younger son gets bored on the farm, asks his dad for um, his inheritance, which shouldn't have been his until his dad had died. But he goes and he squanders the money and ends up in a hopeless and degrading situation. Not that any of us can relate to making messes, right? Never make that. Um, The other son though, his older brother, didn't run away. He never left the farm. He worked tirelessly for his dad. He was loyal and he was hardworking. When the first boy came to his senses and returned home, the dad welcomed him with open arms and threw a party to honor him. Big Brother though, through a hissy fit, wouldn't go to the celebrations because his nose was out of joint. He felt his efforts hadn't been noticed and weren't valued. He even starts his rant to his dad by saying, how many years have I been working like a slave for you? Did you catch the word slave in there? He missed the mark, he missed it. His dad was looking for sons, But instead, both boys behaved like slaves. One a slave to hedonism, pursuit of pleasure, self-indulgence, and the other was a slave to the law. He was striving for what was already freely his. Did you know that there's a third son involved in this story? Yeah, the one telling the parable, Jesus. Jesus is our model for sonship. He shows us what it's like to be a son. Jesus is secure in his identity and his destiny, he's fully connected to the Father. He's completely obedient to his father. In the direst of circumstances, Jesus never doubts the goodness of his father. He relies on his dad for provision, food, shelter, coin for taxes. He partners with his dad to minister love. Jesus operates from rest because he knows who he is. And he knows his mission. Basically, in everything Jesus says and does, he reveals the Father. This is the son we should emulate. That's what we're after. Because the way we relate to each other reveals who our dad is and what he looks like. My girls get on really well most of the time. Like all siblings, they have their moments. And it really hurts me actually when they bicker. I hate it. And occasionally I'll step into an argument with maybe words like, please don't speak to my daughter that way. It's just reminding them that the one that they're disrespecting is actually my daughter too. And it gives a different perspective. I actually sometimes hear Father God say something like that to me when I'm unkind to somebody. I'm a mam and a daughter. I'm a cousin, an aunt. Uh, a sister, um, a friend, I think that about covers my roles. Um, But by far the most important role I have in life is being a daughter to the King of Kings. Because it's in him that I get my identity. It's in him that I get my affirmation and my security. And that in turn enables me to be a better me in all those other roles as well. So, to finish we're never actually going to grasp the depths of God's love this side of heaven. It's not possible. Our minds and and our hearts just can't contain it. But we can try. And the past few minutes, we barely even scratched the surface. But I would like to encourage you to carry on the wondering having begun to wonder about God's love for you. I pray that your day and your week is wonderful, full of wonder, full of awe about God's love for you as you continue to explore your relationship with him.